brothers and their flocks and their herds and all that they have have come out of the land of Canaan, and behold, they are in the land of Goshen. He took five men from among his brothers and presented them to Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh said to his brothers, What is your occupation? So they said to Pharaoh, Your servants are shepherds, both we and our father. They said to Pharaoh, We have come to sojourn in the land, for there is no pasture for your servants' flocks, for the famine is severe in the land of Canaan. Now therefore, please let your servants live in the land of Goshen. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Your father and your brothers have come to you. The land of Egypt is at your disposal. Settle your father and your brothers in the best of the land. Let them live in the land of Goshen, and if you know any capable men among them, then put them in charge of my livestock. Then Joseph brought his father Jacob and presented him to Pharaoh, and Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Jacob, How many years have you lived? So Jacob said to Pharaoh, The years of my sojourning are one hundred and thirty. Few and unpleasant have been the years of my life, nor have they attained the years that my fathers lived during the days of their sojourning. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from his presence. So Joseph settled his father and his brothers, gave them a possession in the land of Egypt, in the best of the land, in the land of Ramesses, as Pharaoh had ordered. Joseph provided his father and his brothers and all his father's household with food according to their little ones. Is so, okay. you've got Joseph telling Pharaoh that his family has arrived. He takes five of his brothers, I don't know which five, and brings them to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh has an interview with them, finds out they're shepherds, they ask for the land of Goshen, Pharaoh offers the land of Goshen. It's great, it's great land for them, great for the Egyptians as well. And uh, so they have that conversation. And then Joseph brings Jacob to Pharaoh. I think it's very interesting, the encounter between Jacob and Pharaoh. It doesn't go quite the way I thought it would. For example, what first happens when they meet each other, at least as far as we can see? Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Would you maybe expected that to go the other way around? Pharaoh being above Jacob, I'd expect Pharaoh to bless Jacob. I wonder why Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Because he kept his son alive. Okay. Yes. That's why he would want to bless him. Is there a sense in which Jacob is above Pharaoh and in what sense? Yes, he's older. I think this is partially his age, his being the father of Joseph, that in a sense, he's looking down on Pharaoh and blessing him. I think the dynamic of this is not Pharaoh looking down on Jacob so much. Is Jacob this old, experienced man, father of the prime minister, who's blessing Pharaoh? And, and Pharaoh said, how old are you anyway? <laughs> well, how old was he? 130. 130? And how does he view those years? Few and unpleasant. Few and unpleasant. Well, I don't know what you think about the few. <laughs> Why does he think they're few? Maybe because it was few with his favorite son. That's one thing. Probably not the biggest thing. His father and grandfather lived much longer. Yes. Jacob, How much Abraham longer? Abraham lived 
175. Abraham lived 175. Isaac lived 180. 180. Yes. And he's just 130. Thinking he's going to die soon, he actually lives to 147, but that's still a few decades shorter than his father and his grandfather. So I guess in that perspective, it's few. But what about this few and unpleasant? Would you call the years of Jacob unpleasant? Yes. I'd use the word miserable. <laughs> yeah, you might be a little stronger than unpleasant. Well, when you're deceitful. It kind of caught up to him. Well, you're guilty and you don't. Had the consequence. It doesn't keep him from being unpleasant, though. You know, living with the consequence of your sin is often unpleasant. <laughs> well, his family life wasn't pleasant either. I'll tell you, he had a lot of unpleasant things in his life. If you really stop and think about it, and you just look back over the life of, of Jacob, what would be the most unpleasant things about Jacob's life to you? Getting married to Leah when he's married to Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Man. And all of the uh, drama and grief that this unhappy marriage provided. You know, all the division in the home, uh, bickering between the wives and all of that. Yeah, I think that unhappy marriage has got to be right up there. What else made his years unpleasant? He was running from uh, Esau. Absolutely. I mean, really, a lot of his childhood, or at least um, young manhood, you know, the favoritism of Jacob and, and, and or of uh, Isaac and Rebecca, you, and the tension that creates, as we see on various occasions, the dispute and rivalry between Jacob and Esau, and then finally running from, from Esau, and you know, all the complications that that provided. What else has made his life unpleasant? Joseph. Yeah, yeah Joseph's death. As he saw it. Rachel's was just, death. Rachel's death lost his favorite son and his favorite wife prematurely. Think of any other big... His, his interactions with Laban. Yeah, man. He had a father-in-law that was quite a headache. Of course, you know, probably other people felt that way, but... What, there's one other big thing. We might not have thought about it this way, but I'll tell you, if it happened to us, I think we'd be grieved. Sons. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but that's not what I was thinking of, but yes. <laughs> his sons killed one of his other sons or sold him. Yeah, absolutely. Man, <laughs> he didn't realize that through much of his life, but wow. And the deal with Shechem, his Sons. Well, yeah, his daughter's rape. You know, you have a daughter who's raped by somebody. I think you'd consider that considerably painful. And then all that happened as a result of that with Simeon and Levi and Shechem. I mean, you start adding it up. He has had some unpleasant things in his life. I do agree. He brought most of that on himself. But nevertheless, it was unpleasant. <laughs> you know. He's gone through a lot, a lot of grief, a lot of years of trauma and grief and, and so forth. And so that's the way Jacob is looking at this time. And Jacob blesses Pharaoh and they settle in this uh, land of, of Goshen and he's well taken care of. Comments and thoughts on all this? Yeah, sir. Even though his life was unpleasant at the same time, he was... You'd have to consider him prosperous too. I mean, yeah. in terms of wealth and yeah. you know, he's got 
12 sons and, and all of these physical material blessings and signs of status. You know, multiple so, children and kind of... So what does that tell you? Wealth and a lot of kids doesn't necessarily make you happy. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I agree. Money doesn't buy, what's the saying? Money doesn't buy pleasantness? <laughs> That's true. Other thoughts? What do you make of this blessing? What do you think? I suspect just wishing him Godspeed Words. or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think he did something material for him. It would be a verbal blessing. We've seen uh, the other blessings where he was blessed by his father and how that turned out. So that's not, apparently not the same type of, I've always wondered about that too, what's that mean when, like when Abraham or Isaac blessed, you know, Isaac blessed Jacob over Esau and, and then it turned out that way. So now Jacob's blessing Pharaoh, mm -hmm. did something happen then? <laughs> I always thought that this blessing is bestowing something more than the usual. I think it can be a wish for good, although as Chris pointed out, some of these blessings actually occur. God, you know, fulfills them. Mm -hmm. <coughs> I don't know if they're always, always like that. Other thoughts? Is it the same Hebrew word always used? No idea. Okay. I am not a Hebrew person. Well, you know I am. Yeah. <laughs> Ask your grandson. I mean, he can probably yeah. tell you the Ugaritic yeah. parallel or something. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't know that word to use. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wish I knew more of original languages, but I don't know anything in Hebrew. So. All right, anything else on this? This kind of takes care of the migration, you know, story. We come back to real life. And what's happening in real life right now? Does Jacob bless Pharaoh twice? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. In 7 and 10? Or is it sort of like the same blessing? I would assume the same blessing. So it's one of those things Jacob says, May you be blessed and how old are you anyway? Kind of. <laughs> you know, <laughs> or maybe seven summarizes and then ten then gives. It. So maybe he blesses him after that. I don't know. Okay. Could be blessed him twice, but anyhow, what's going on in real life here? Famine. Famine, and that's still a crisis. Remember that Joseph had told his brothers there's still going to be five more years of this famine. So they evidently they were only a couple years into it when Joseph revealed. Uh, his identity to his brothers. So, what what's happening with that? Uh, 13 and 14. And there was no food in all the land because the famine was very severe, so that the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan languished because of the famine. And Joseph gathered all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan for the grain which they bought. And Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house. So, what... What, what initially happens with this stored up grain? It was passed out. 
when people came to passed out for money. money. People bought it. They bought it from Pharaoh. And that ended up causing all the money to be in Pharaoh's hands. So they spent everything they had to buy the grain. Now what? 15 to 17. When the money was all spent in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came to Joseph and said, Give us food, for why should we die in your presence? For our money's gone. Then Joseph said, Give up your livestock, and I'll give you food for your livestock, since your money's gone. So they brought their livestock to Joseph, and Joseph gave them food in exchange for the horses and the flocks and the herds and the donkeys, and he fed them with food in exchange for all their livestock that year. When that year was in... Good. Okay. Good. Yeah. So, money runs out. What happens next? Pay with livestock. Yeah. You know, if you haven't got money to pay, but you got something, you can kind of barter. So they gave their animals to Pharaoh buying the food with their animals. Until the animals run out. So now Pharaoh has all the money and all the animals. They couldn't feed them anyway. Well, exactly. They got to have the grain even for the animals. None of this is going to be worth anything to them. Money doesn't help you if you haven't got anything you can buy to eat with, with it. You know, so, and, and one of the things you're seeing through this is that Joseph is acting very faithfully in the interest of Pharaoh. He is Pharaoh's, you know, second in command, and he's, you know, causing Pharaoh to prosper through all this. Comments or thoughts through 17? Is, is the land of Goshen, do you see uh, that uh, a place that's languishing too, or... I'm assuming Joseph is feeding them with the grain. Okay. That's what I'm assuming. Well, like in verse 12, Joseph provided his father and his brothers and all his father's household with food, according to the little ones. Right. It may, that may have been a one-time thing, but I suspect it was continuing. Yeah. I'm assuming so. I mean, I don't see any indication that there's any limitation geographically of this fact. We don't ever see any uh, indication of what this did to Canaan, but it says that he got all the money from Canaan, and all the livestock from Canaan. And well, we knew that the famine was severe in Canaan when Jacob had to send the boys down to get food from Egypt. I'm just thinking in the future, God says, I'll send you into this, this prosperous land, <laughs> of which all the money has gone down to Egypt. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> For the for the time being, yes, you're right. It just it just sounds like a government policy here at work. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, in a way, but what if that government policy hadn't been at work? Yeah, it would all. Well, go. yeah, but the, the I, I've always had a little problem with this policy because he took all the <laughs> he took all the food at no charge. He did he didn't pay for it when he collected it, but now he's selling it back to them and and selling it for everything that they own, including themselves. Whereas he got it from them. That's, that sounds like our government today. All the money they have comes from us, but then they divvy it out and, and charge you to get it back, basically. Well, he didn't take all of their grain. He took no. a percentage. Exactly. But then, Right. But as a tax. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, now give me your grain. He got it from them. He got it from them and then turns around and sells it back to them. Yeah. 
and ends up Pharaoh ends up owning everything because of this. Well, I'll tell you what I want. I want Joseph working for me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think Joseph is as a steward and servant of Pharaoh. I think he is, you know, blessing Pharaoh. I think he's acting in Pharaoh's interest to cause Pharaoh to grow and increase. Now, you do have to think about what it'd be like to be starving to death. The people seem happy with this arrangement. Well, that's what I was going to say. I don't want to get ahead, but they thank him when this is all over. If you're starving, I don't care what you have to give up. It's a blessing if you can get the food. And if it hadn't been for this, you know, storage program and all that, and, and their willingness to do something to enable them to eat, they'd have starved to death. So from that perspective, you know, they're happy. But I think Joseph is clearly acting to try to enlarge Pharaoh's empire. And he does give him seed to plant. Yes. Basically, it's going to give Pharaoh claim on... Everything. Everything, yeah. yeah he it's gets some seed to plant, but you're planting on my ground, and, <laughs> and you belong to me, and you belong to me, and the produce belongs to me. But I'll let you eat some of it. It's it's almost like a feudal system or whatever, where the Lord owns everything, and so they're kind of sharecroppers. You know, they're allowed to to survive and live and so forth. But Pharaoh's going to get his cut because, after all, he owns everything. Where were the unions? <laughs> now, I'll tell you, that, that worked well as long as Pharaoh was the kind of Pharaoh that this man was. That's exactly right. Yeah. I mean, we are so oriented toward free economy and democracy and all that, that I think the very idea of having a Pharaoh just sort of incenses us. But there's no inherent reason why a democracy is better than a monarchy. You know, it depends on, you know, who's ruling in either case. A benevolent monarch would be fine. But it, not to us. But that's just because of our background and culture and so forth. Uh, but, I mean, the Lord doesn't seem to have much preference as to the, the nature of the system that, that installs the head. Now, the Lord has a lot to say about justice and righteousness, how you treat the poor and things like that. But in terms of the economic system or the political system, I'm not sure the Lord ever expressed a preference. But, at any rate, Pharaoh's getting richer. <laughs> All right, 18 to 26. When that year was ended, they came to him the next year and said to him, We will not hide from my Lord that our money is all spent, and the cattle are my Lord's. There is nothing left for my Lord except our bodies and our lands. Why should we die before your eyes, both we and our land? Buy us and our land for food, and we and our land will be slaves to Pharaoh. So give us seed that we may live and not die, and that the land may not be desolate. So Joseph bought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh, for every Egyptian sold his field, because the famine was severe upon them. Thus the land became Pharaoh's. As for the people, he removed them to the cities from one end of Egypt's border to the other. Only the land of the priests he did not buy, for the priests had an allotment from Pharaoh, and they lived off the allotment which Pharaoh gave them. Therefore they did not sell their land. Then Joseph said to the people, 
Behold, I have today bought you and your land for Pharaoh. Now here is seed for you, and you may sow the land. At the harvest you shall give a fifth to Pharaoh, and four-fifths shall be your own for seed of the field, and for your food, and for those of your households, and as food for your little ones. So they said, You have saved our lives. Let us find favor in the sight of my Lord, and we will be Pharaoh's slaves. Joseph made it a statute concerning the land of Egypt, valid to this day, that Pharaoh should have the fifth. Only the land of the priests did not become Pharaoh's. Okay. Well, I mean, they didn't have anything else to give. They give them their money, they give them their, the cattle. What's the only other two things they've got left? Selves and their land. Yeah. That's pretty much it. And that's okay with Joseph and Pharaoh. Uh, they end up buying the land and the people. Uh, or, or, you know, the people basically uh, trade the, the land and, and, and themselves in exchange for the grain. And so everything becomes Pharaoh's. Verse 21, as for the people, he removed them to the cities from one end of Egypt's border to the other. Anybody have like the NIV or something like that? Verse 21. Not sure what the NIV does. But there is a textual variant on this. The Samaritan Pentateuch and the Septuagint have, as for the people, he made them slaves from one end of Egypt's border to the other. That may be the accurate uh, reading. Um, that's a small point. But, uh, but so he, he, Pharaoh ends up owning the land and them. And they're glad for it. What Pharaoh arranges is that at harvest he gets 20%. People can have the rest because he owns them and the land. But look at verse 25. They said, you've saved our lives. Let us find favor in the sight of my Lord and we will be Pharaoh's slaves. Does that make sense? I mean, if somebody saves your life, you owe him your life. He's your Lord, you become a slave. So they are readily delivering themselves into the hands of Pharaoh because he saved their lives. Now, if you can make sense out of that, isn't that exactly what we do in a spiritual sense? God saved our lives. We need to be his slaves because of what he's done for us. So I think this has got a good, deeper spiritual application. And now, Pharaoh every year gets 20%. That's, that's the margin he's going to take out. And the rest of it belongs to the people by, by Pharaoh's decree. Now, Comments. Is, is the famine still going at this time? Well, it does during these five years. During the time that people are having to mortgage themselves and their property. So the story begins with Joseph being sold into slavery for money. Now, the whole land of Egypt is being sold into slavery, and Pharaoh gets all their money. We kind of come full circle. All right, comments or questions? And Joseph is leading that whole thing. Yes, he is. Jo Man, I'll tell you, the smartest thing Pharaoh ever did was when he appointed Joseph. Yeah. Wow, that caused God to bless the whole enterprise, and Joseph has really been a blessing to Pharaoh. In many ways. Sarah. So it looks like Pharaoh and Joseph didn't require anything further from the people 
for the last two years of the famine? I mean, if there were five years left and we've got money in one year, livestock in the next, land and selves, and we still have like two years before they... Yeah, I don't know how all that worked out, how long it took all of those things to be sold and so forth. But yeah, I mean, Pharaoh is not trying to starve him to death. He's just trying to have everything belong to him. Who are the priests? Egyptian priests. Other comments or questions? I, I don't think these stages are years. I think that they're when they ran out of food. Exactly. Yeah, I don't know how long each stage was. But. Plus, once there's pharaohs, he doesn't want his own slaves to die. That's right. So you yeah. feed your slaves and your livestock and all that, and so they are his slaves and his livestock. Yeah, that's right. And one of the good things about being a slave, you know, they take care of you. Room and board. Do what? You get room and board. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you do. I mean... I don't know. People people sometimes opt for things like that. You know, if you can get taken care of, even though you're a slave, some people would see that and say, I think that's a good advantage to me. That's what the Israelites did after they were they'd gotten out. And they kept wanting to go back. Yeah, absolutely. And and that seems strange to us, but people do it right and left in this country. Don't they? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? People volunteer to be slaves for the room and board and benefits in the military. Isn't that about what that amounts to? Yeah. I mean, it's for, it's not for lifetime, but it's for the period of your enrollment. The military controls where you go, what you do, everything. But they give you benefits. They room and board, salary, you know, educational benefits afterwards. A lot of people will choose that. You know, so I mean, we even have that concept in our culture um, for a limited period of time. Uh, but, but in some economies, that's a blessing. There were times that people would sell themselves into slavery throughout history. And they were better off. Because obviously the master would take care of them. Now, it kind of depends on having a good master. You know, and, and I mean, that's kind of the way it is in some military situations, too. You know, sometimes it may not turn out the way you're expecting it to. It could be like that. Uh, but, but there have been a lot of times in history where people have voluntarily chosen slavery because it was really better for them in some ways. I, I, I thought you were aiming at uh, you make bad choices and you land in jail. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. That, that's true, too, but I wasn't. That's true. My okay. prodigal son, he went back because he knew his father would take care of him as a slave. He wasn't even expecting to be a son again. He wanted to be a slave. Slavery is better than where he was at. Yeah. You got a nice master and you're not doing too well on your own, it wouldn't be bad. So you think of indentured servants at the, the start of the founding of America. That was a common practice. Sure, sure. In, in verse 22, it talks about the land of the priests, and those were the Egyptian priests, but it seems that that also, it seems to apply also to the Israelites. I mean, part of that's looking ahead to verse 27, that they lived in Goshen and acquired property. But because they received an allotment of some kind from Pharaoh, they weren't 
giving up their land or I don't know how that worked. Didn't matter, they didn't need it when they left. Yeah. <laughs> and another Pharaoh enslaved them by force, so So during the seven years of plenty they gave them a fifth then, right? Yeah. Okay. So now it's just continually giving a fifth. Okay. Like he's doing the same thing as before? I don't know exactly how it worked. Okay. I don't know exactly how Feywood took that before. Maybe It may be. Okay. It may be, but I'm not sure how that was. Possible Feywood has been paid for so far. I don't know. All right, well, why don't we stop here and uh, to study this. And uh, I should, I think, be here next week. Then, who knows? Off to after that. Uh, next, next week and the following time would be the first Thursday in August. So.